afternoon and welcome everybody. Thank you for joining the final Skills for My Career, My Journey series, where successful women from engineering and construction share their stories and career insights. I'm truly delighted to welcome Rachel Cook for this final episode. I met Rachel over a decade ago, which is quite terrifying, when she was working at Atkins and completed the Skills for Women's Development Programme. I consider Rachel not only an inspiration and a role model to many women working in our sector, but also I'm lucky enough to consider her a personal friend. Hopefully it's reciprocated, Rachel, because it would be really awkward. <laughs> Um, she's a chartered civil engineer with a successful 20-year career working across energy and transportation. And in the time I've known her, Rachel has been nominated for and deservedly won numerous accolades and awards for both her work and her inspiring leadership. One of the key reasons I've asked Rachel to join us is that she works part time and always brings her authentic self to the table. Not only has she enjoyed career sex success personally doing this, but she also positively influences the cultures and increases inclusions, whichever team and organisation she works in. So Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, and I'm really I'm looking sorry. forward to talking you, with you about I'm your career good. journey. Oh, thank you, Jane. Oh, you know, I get when you say nice things <laughs> thank you very much and i do absolutely your the program i did with you 2011 i think it was um i mean it was an absolute absolute turning point in my career so you know thank you i'm absolutely privileged to be here with you today so um i've got a picture on screen um and this is my squiggly career and before i start i need to say that i've got that term from a fantastic book two ladies have written so i can't take any credit for it and it, it talks about how you find oh brilliant thank you um you find your purpose um, and happiness at work and you know ditching that ladder and all this kind of focus we have on promotion and going up the ladder and actually just finding joy um, so it doesn't even feel like hard work so really recommend that that book if you haven't read it before but this is my squiggle um, and I remember Jane you interviewed me once and you you asked me about my career and I think I said something along the lines of oh I've meandered quite successfully um, and it did feel like that for a long time before I did your course but now I have much more purpose in it so I'll explain this squiggle to you so we're starting at the top there's a picture of um, some rocks and um, a Scottish flag so I studied civil engineering with geology in Glasgow I was born in Brighton and went to Glasgow and I think that's the first sign that you know I wasn't going to go take the easy route I was going to properly leave home and go hundreds of miles away um, and I had a fantastic kind of grounding in my academic career there I had five years um, at Glasgow University um, and during that time I worked for Atkins at the time as a couple of summer placements in their railway bridge engineering division um, from then I went and joined them um, and became a bridge engineer and um, spent many, many uh, fantastic days abseiling under Brickarch viaducts. I mean, that is work, isn't it? I got paid to abseil. How fantastic was that? Um, and, you know, I probably spent a, about kind of four or five years kind of atoning my uh, kind of technical skills. But I always realised that was never going to be my strength. I could do it but it didn't give me energy, it didn't give me joy. Um, I got my kind of professional founding and then started working in kind of multidisciplinary project engineering and engineering management roles. Um, and then I joined um, one of the biggest projects I've worked on to date, which was the London Underground PPP. So we're now moving from the from the viaduct, we're into the London and the 
I think that's Tower Bridge there. Um, and I was on that that project for about six years. And that was fantastic. So I was out of my company. I was in a joint venture working with all sorts of different people from different backgrounds and, you know, grew the business essentially from about 10 of us sitting in a room, 200s working on this massive, massive project. Um, it was during that time I got chartered. So I got chartered at the age of 27. Um, and I was also nominated to be the ICE Project Manager of the Year by one of the directors there who was actually from Balfabetes. So it was the first time that I'd, I'd felt I'd got any recognition from somebody outside my company, um, which, you know, was really humbling. Um, and, uh, you know, I really enjoyed the, the profile that gave me. Um, I worked various roles there. And um, then the next picture is not of me next to a, um, uh, what do they call those boards you go on the, the river with? Paddleboard. Thank you, Jane. Paddleboard. <laughs> um, but it's not a paddleboard, it's a pregnancy test. Um, so while I was on that massive project, and people joke to this day that I had to get pregnant to come off my secondment, which I was on there for six years, but I didn't. It was not planned in that way. Um, I, I was pregnant for my first child. And I think I was probably about 30 when I had my first child um, and um, went away, had the child, had a, had a year off, came back full time and very quickly became pregnant with the second child. So I, I had two um, in less than two years. Um, it was it was fabulous and scary. And I remember walking around for a few weeks with two under two thinking, oh, my goodness, what have I done? But also feeling how incredibly lucky that I was to have those two really healthy, wonderful boys. Um, and as we walk around, there's me kind of holding having a baby and holding a little child. And then you can see a little um, first aid kit. So around about, I think probably about seven months after I had my second, I remember going to the the GP just because one of the children had a rash. And I remember her saying to me, so, you know, are you okay? And I wasn't. Um, <laughs> I, I was really struggling. I hadn't kind of looked after myself. I was terrified about coming back full time uh, with these two of wonderful children that I decided to kind of give my life to so I decided to move to part-time working and that was 13 years ago and that line down the middle represents exactly half of my career so the first 13 years were were full-time um, and I worked really really hard and I played really hard and I did very very well um, and then the second half of the last 13 years and I've continued to work really hard and I've continued to play very hard and I've continued to do very very well and I just wanted to represent this in a bit of a graphic so at that point I returned to work returned part-time I was absolutely terrified you know would this stop everything would it stop kind of me getting the opportunities will I be counted out um, but that didn't happen and, and that was wonderful I mean it was quite a surprise because I didn't have many role models I think there was one person that also work part-time who continues to be a role model and a friend to me um, and we often we're actually having dinner on Thursday so I'm looking forward to seeing how she's getting on um, but I knew it was possible and the two of us essentially kind of formed a bit of a support group for each other um, and we continued to work in the company and enjoy all the benefits of it um, so once I moved I um I remember a conversation with uh, a director and I was working on a bid and um, I was going home because I had to go home and pick up the children. And he called me and said, what are you doing going home? I said, well, I've got to pick up, pick up the children from the nursery. Um, and he said, well, you toddle off home then. And I couldn't believe anyone would say those things. Um, I, you know, I, I took it very, very badly. I remember being very upset by it. But I also remember thinking, well, 
I need to move. I need to change. And that's when I did my, my, my kind of one of my major squiggles, which was to leave the industry I'd been working in for 13 years, the railway industry. And I moved into offshore wind, oil and gas. Um, and that was a huge, huge um, career move for me. Um, you know, moving from an industry I knew really, really well to one I didn't know that well at all. Um, but it was fantastic. Um, you know, I loved learning more about the industry, learning about different clients, different ways of working. Um, and um, I, I went in as an operations manager role. But at that point, that was when I did the women's development program with you, Jane. Um, and, you know, I had the opportunity to do things like um, MC the energy conference. I remember being asked and I think without your program, I said, oh, no, 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 no don't think I could do that and I just said yes and then I walked out of the room and thought oh my goodness what have I done um but it was one of the best things I've ever done I absolutely adored it um so MC at energy conference in front of about I think it was about 400 people with clients the CEO a whole day um on stage essentially linking it but I absolutely loved it um and I started saying yes to a lot of things that I probably wouldn't have done before just to see how it felt, see if I enjoyed it. And I started really enjoying it. And it just, it created so many more opportunities for me and what I wanted to do in, in the future. Um, so I then um, I then moved into a career, um, a kind of a, a role that moved me from operations management into client management. I had a role managing the BP account. Again, that was something I'd never done before, but really enjoyed it. It was all about relationships and trust and building networks um, and not them all just being with you, but opening it out to other people. Um, and um, I was, I was, a, I think that's when I got my, I was in the top 50 power part-timers of the year. I think it was about 2015. Um, and again, that was, that was a real kind of, you know humbling moment I thought wow but I also met all these other people who worked part-time at senior positions in companies um, and you'll see the only with the uh, the pencil and the rubber is, is one of my pet hates when people say oh she only works part-time I mean just cut the only it's so derogatory um, I choose to work part-time and I'm really proud of it um, as, I, as I come around the, uh, that's a picture of a, an oil rig uh, with some oil barrels there. We're coming around the corner there. Um, and it was, unfortunately, the oil gas, uh, the oil price took a huge plummet. And when that happened, my role was made redundant. Um, and, you know, I was invited to go on to consultation. And having been with the company for, I think it was about 18 years at that point, that, that was quite heartbreaking. And I knew it was business. I, I totally understood it. I'd been part of the work, in the, you know, writing the business case. But it, it really was. Um, it felt like it broke my heart to be with the company for so long and that happened. Um, but what I needed to do was mend. Um, and I had the opportunity to move into another role. I went back into transportation um, and I was there for a few years and I, I worked on various things. Um, but I started to feel quite unsettled um, and that I wanted more. And I think at that point I thought, well, if I don't leave now, I may never leave. Um, but I wasn't quite sure whether I was good because I'd been there for a long time or whether I was I was quite good. Um, so that was a really, really big decision. I decided to leave the company I'd been with for, I think, 23 years at that point. Um, and um, I joined the company I'm with now. Um, I joined three weeks or six weeks before COVID hit. So I joined a company six weeks and everyone got sent home. So, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's been fantastic. It's felt liberating. I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, and um, 
I think a year after I joined or 18 months after I joined, I was I was awarded the best display of leadership in WSP in the UK, which again I was super proud of. Um, and you know, things that I just thought I'm just getting on doing the things I love doing were really being recognised. Um, so that was fantastic for my confidence. Um, and then more recently, about six months ago, so I joined as an operations director in the business. So I was responsible for it's currently an 800 people business, so 80 million pound PL. Um, and um, I've been redesigning the role, so there's a lot more of a people focus on it. So I've been able to recruit somebody to look after a lot of the money side. Um, and I focus on culture and transformation and people. Um, and it's this whole squiggle has helped me. I've, you know, I've tried things out. I've played with things. I've worked out what I love doing. I've worked out what I can do, but I don't get energy from. Um, and I'm finally in a place where I feel I'm able to come to work and it doesn't feel too much like work. Which I think everyone deserves. So hand back to you, Jane. I think you've got some questions. Brilliant, Rachel. I certainly have. One thing um, that, that I'm hoping we get lots of questions about is the fact that, you know, you work part time for your two lovely boys and your family life. Lots mm -hmm. of people would love to work part time for a whole range of different reasons but they're frightened to even ask the question. Any words of advice for them, really, of how you can begin that conversation? Oh, gosh, it's, um, it's interesting because it I felt it was expected of me when I had my, quite a lot of people, women have their first child, and then there was this kind of underlying expectation that I wouldn't come back full-time, and I did. I came back full-time. Then the second one, there was definitely the, well, surely you're going to go part-time now. And I thought, oh, so it was actually quite an easy thing to do because of the timing um, and most people fully expected once the boys were at secondary school well you're going to come back full-time now aren't you like it was a, a thing to do and I feel hugely hugely privileged and grateful that I can afford to stay part-time I know not everybody can so I do not take it for granted at all um, but I think what we need to do is focus on the outputs um, this this whole um, kind of focus on hours that you're there and presenteeism as being your worth I think is very very old-fashioned and becoming more so so I remember one conversation I had when I I joined WSP um I think a very senior person man and he said so yeah you know, I, I hear you're, you're part-time at the moment it's all okay you're going to be coming back full-time soon and I said surely if you can get the output and pay me less for it don't you want that <laughs> Um, and he was like, God, I'd never thought about it that way. I said, no, you wouldn't, would you? <laughs> I said, what I would like is to get the same output and be valued for that rather than the hours I do. But I know we're not there yet. That's, you know, I choose my battles. The yeah. first one is just getting people to realise that don't expect me to care less or work less because of the hours I'm here. I can guarantee you I work every bit as hard and I care every bit as much for every single hour I'm paid. Um, so that's, maybe that's start to talk to people about it, about surely, you know, if, if I can get the output, that's what you're after. Be clear on the outputs. And the other option is always say, well, do you know what? Let's, let's do it for three months, six months. Then we can decide. I guarantee you, if you're getting the outputs, they will never want to pay you full time again. Brilliant. Really good answer. And like you say, hopefully in a couple of years, we'll be having a different conversation yeah. where we're paid on <laughs> outputs. Yes, hopefully. I do hope so. Brilliant. And then what you're touching on there is something that I know you really care about anyway, which is about changing culture um, and, and making more equitable workplaces. And to do that, you need leaders on board. 
And I love the point, you know, you've raised it. I'm thinking, crikey, you came into a new company just before COVID hit. So you had to manage your team remotely. So you had to lead remotely without even seeing half of them. Um, yet 18 months in, it, it was best leadership in WSP. So what advice do you have? What what do you think good leadership is about? Um <laughs> I think I think being genuine is really, really a big part of it. And part of that is knowing yourself, knowing what you love, knowing what you're good at, knowing what you're not good at. Um, there's loads of stuff I'm really, really shocking at. But I find people who are brilliant at it and love it and, I, and do it. Um, so, you know, being able to identify those people that, that kind of complement you, not, that are not like you, um, and then leading that community. So I'm a big, big um, believer in um, complementary strengths of teams. So building really high performing teams by lots of different people, um, you know, diversity of thought, diversity of skills, strengths, all those things. It does make it quite difficult because you're very, very different. So you won't all naturally agree on everything. So it can be a lot harder work, but actually the benefits of it are fantastic. So, you know, know yourself, know your team, um, you know, delegate, absolutely delegate and trust people. Um, I remember probably about probably about 15 years ago, I had some feedback where, you know, I was quite controlling. I didn't delegate a lot. I didn't trust people. I was terrified of things going wrong. I remember someone saying, well, what's the worst that can happen? I was like, I haven't really thought about that. Um, <laughs> and actually making a few mistakes and saying, that's okay. Let's, you know, let's learn. Let's move on. So people aren't scared to make mistakes because if they're scared to try because they'll make a mistake. They'll never, never push themselves. Yeah. So just trying to trying to you know create that environment. And to me, a leader, um, you know, you're never a leader without your first followers. There's this fantastic TED talk. If you said the one about first followers is the man dancing on a hill. If not, I'll share it later and you can share it. But it's one of my favourites ever. And a leader is absolutely nobody without those first followers. And yeah. you don't get them without trust. You did. You sent that to me and we put it in a leadership module we did about <laughs> suddenly the people who weren't dancing looked ridiculous. <laughs> so you're only as good as your followers. Um, so, yeah, we will we will share that out as well. It's a great and it's only three or four minutes, isn't it? But yeah. it's so powerful. Yeah, so really powerful. thank you for that. And talking of resources and things as well, you were talking about knowing what energizes you and what doesn't. Was Was that in reference to some of the work Caroline and Emily were doing? Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't want to keep plugging books, but, you know, strengths-based organisation is a fantastic one. Um, yeah. You know, quite often we are branded by things we're good at. And then people say, oh, you're good at that. We'll give you more of that. But if you don't actually understand that it's draining you of energy, while you can do it, you'll never be great at it. And yeah. it'll feel like really, really, really hard work. Um, so, you know, trying to really understand what gives you energy, what gives you strengths, doing it you'll probably do it really really well and it won't feel like hard work feel no, uh, a joy that's a great point and for anybody who hasn't seen um if you look at on the skills for website and look at the old um talks that we did last year caroline came on and give us a fantastic talk um, about the work that she's doing it, it really changed the way i view things and again rachel you're absolutely right there will be so many people working in our sector that might be good at a thing. Like you said, you know, technically mm. you were very, very competent, but it didn't energise you. So, again, mm. if you haven't got the leader who's going to spot 
your strengths and what energizes mm-hmm. you? How could you open the conversation? How would you, you know, advise somebody in a team that didn't have a great leader to try and get some variety in their work? You know, one of my one of my big characteristics, I like to experiment. I'm quite courageous. So I'll just try stuff. Just try stuff um, and recognize if it isn't isn't working. You know, don't don't kind of you know chastise yourself because you got it wrong. Just say, well, wasn't a good fit. Let's try something else. Um, and you know, also get feedback. So, I mean, the the Squiggly Career Book's got some really good um, practical tools where you can have conversations with people and say, okay, you know, when when did you last see me really energized? And then you'll get other people's feedback as well. So actually, you know, I saw you doing that. You were buzzing. Like, yeah. Was I? Oh my goodness! I didn't, you know, because sometimes you don't see it yourself. So you know, ask around. Um, yeah. But there's loads of tools and tips for kind of finding what are the kind of things that I was doing. What what was my energy levels? You know, where were my energy levels? And you know, are there themes? So you know, seek to understand yourself. Um, sometimes you'll be lucky. You'll have people around you who will be able to help and guide. But so much has got to come from yourself. Yeah, I, I believe a lot, a lot in personal responsibility. So um. I'm just making two notes. I'm going to share the link again to Caroline's um, talk to the Strengths Finder tool mm. and to the Leadership TED Talk. Um, I'll make sure so we many, send all of these out. I've had so many conversations with people who who aren't happy and they say, oh, "I'm really miserable. I don't like doing this. I don't like doing that." So I say, "Well, what would you, what would you like to do?" And they don't know. Okay, I can't really help you unless you tell me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they know everything they don't want to do. So it's it's about moving the dial to the what would I like to do? What do I want to try? Um, so. Fantastic. And then also I was looking um Again, when we look at your squiggly career, like you say, you've made some bold moves. You move from transportation into energy, back into transportation. And then the biggest one, probably after 20 years of riding on a very good reputation in one organisation, you took a deep breath and then moved to another. Um, so it, it's great that you experiment and you change it and a lot of it pays off. When you look at our sector and you talk about the value of diversity, um, different people, I know you're um really passionate about that what do you think our sector can do to attract more diverse talent what could we do better i'd, I'd love i'd love us to be braver as a sector in terms of how we design our roles especially at a senior level i think we're we're still incredibly traditional you know we have have an fd and we have an od and we have, a, we have all these roles that are very very traditional they've always been there um but i i fiercely believe they've been designed around a more male character, um, more traditional engineer type, um, and they're safe and they work. And well, nothing's wrong. Why would we change anything? Um, but I, I don't necessarily believe they're attractive to mm-hmm. myself or people like me, or to other people who aren't like me but aren't like them either. So I'd love us to get a bit more creative with role design, um, and and start thinking about how we can then attract more more people and more diversity and you know women in particular in senior roles rather than it being a, a support service who is at the table but not decision making um, yeah so yeah design of roles I'd love to throw them all up in the air and design them again brilliant um, <laughs> things are changing though aren't they that's the positive thing things are absolutely. beginning to gather momentum now and we're starting to see transformation across the sector got a question from claire hindsight is a wonderful thing is there anything you would have done differently on your squiggly journey um i don't have a quick look at the squiggle um 
what would I have done differently? There's one thing that's missing, and it's not that I regret it, but I would have, I would have loved to have some overseas experience, and maybe that's in my future squiggle. Um, yeah. But it's definitely on the list. Uh, it's something I've not done. Um, what would I have done differently? More, more generally, is just just believe I was good enough. I spent years and years and too much time kind of thinking I was an imposter and thinking you know I'm different therefore I'm I'm not good I was just different um and you know that took an awful lot of kind of mental effort to keep kind of coming back so getting that confidence and um yeah so that's probably that's probably it Excellent. Well, you know, we we are coming towards the end of the time um, that we have available. It's lovely when we do these talks and people get to hear about inspiring women and, you know, positive things that are going on in the sector. But too often when you finish your lunch, you go back, you check your emails, you get sec- sucked into work and you head down doing the stuff. Um, how could you encourage or remind women the importance of actually lift your head up, step back, look at your network. How do you actually connect with people rather than listen? What would you say? Mm. Um, we've all got a to-do list, haven't we? We've all got one. Has anyone ever finished it? No. <laughs> It'll still be there tomorrow. And I keep saying to myself, it will still be there tomorrow. So take this time. There's the whole. I think. I think you introduced me to the P1 to P4 boxes I still use that all the time am I spending too much in p1 yeah all the noise coming all the noise stop it um actually it'll still be there tomorrow um and those what I said earlier about kind of the little failures actually it's not a failure it's just a reprioritization and it's absolutely okay to prioritize ourselves no one else is going to do it nobody else is going to do it whether that's our career our mental health and well-being um anything at all it's um and don't feel bad about that. Don't feel guilty about that. We 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 only have one life. We only yeah. have one one of us. Um, and you know, if we need to be in a really great position to be able to help others, I'm yeah. a firm believer in passing it on and helping others. And if I don't look after myself, then I won't be able to do that for others. So I've got to keep learning. I've got to keep stretching myself. So I've got to make time to do that. I say I'm really lucky. I work part time. I proudly work part time. So I have more time in my week than maybe someone who works full-time to think about these things um so I do feel incredibly grateful to be in that position brilliant that's fantastic so the the key things I'm hearing really are that change is is coming um change isn't a bad thing be brave shut the imposter up acknowledge that the to-do list is going to always be there the very next day so um make sure that you make time for yourself within it what have we got oh amy hi amy um it was wonderful to hear about your squiggle career rachel especially emotionally touching on the work-life balance for two children the scary change from 13 years in rail and your joying knowing when it was right to change and being energized versus competent scary but inspiring i've just enjoyed listening today thank you amy thank you that's a wonderful summary (laughs) and if if anyone wants to connect afterwards or contact me on LinkedIn ask anything please do um, more than happy to you know this this community this alumni thinks fantastic and you know between us we've been through most things so yeah absolutely um, so you're you're and, absolutely you know, right. just want to say you know Atkins is a fantastic company I didn't leave it because anything was wrong it was just my time so just I don't know if anyone's from I don't want it to come across that way at all so um 
Brilliant. Well, I'm, I doubt very much you'd have stayed there 23 years working across two major business units if you didn't feel that way. But thank you for sharing your story with us today. It was wonderful to have you, Rachel. And, you know, would lovely, it would be wonderful to have you back in a few years when you have um, done a bit more on shaping and changing those cultures. Oh, thank you. Very much. It's been delighted to be asked. Thank you, Jane. Thank yes, you, everybody. You are, you are a friend. You always will be. <laughs> Okay, thank you everybody for joining. Take care. Bye.